This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Uh, it's been a while since I've done one of these. A drive home from a Brooklyn Net game, a playoff Brooklyn Net game podcast. And obviously, we're all in a good mood. The Nets... Uh, get the victory one down 15 to go in the mission that we all have to be drunk at a parade in the middle of Brooklyn uh first of all (laughs) this game in series did not exactly start I think the way we all figured uh Kevin Durant missing basically every one of his shots every mid-range shot every three-point shot he was off uh, James Harden was off, I and mean, basically everybody was off, and I thought they were lucky that they were even in this game. I thought they defended well. They were actually the aggressor on the offensive glass before Robert Williams really got into the action in the second half. So the thing that we all feared, it was basically the opposite. They weren't scoring it well. I think they scored 16 points in the first quarter, which feels like a record low from this season. Um, but I don't know. Even though it's the playoffs, and even though I'm nervous about everything, I never felt like they were going to lose this game. You know? My wife may disagree. Did I give you a sense that I thought they were going to lose this game? No, you were pretty good. I was good? Yeah. All right. I mean, I, was, I wasn't thrilled with the way the first half was going. Don't get me wrong. There was way, by the way, and even when they started clicking, this was the case, there was way too much isolation, way too much one-on-one basketball, uh, way too much not getting the rest of the roster involved. Um, Look, eventually KD started hitting his shots. Eventually the offense started clicking in the second half. They actually made a couple of threes after missing their first, how many, 12, 13, whatever it was. But it did feel like the offense, for a big chunk of this game, was just very stagnant. It didn't have that ball movement that we've seen a lot throughout this season. So it wasn't a great offensive display. I mean, I even think the final numbers were less than impressive. I think they ended up shooting 41 or 42% from the field. But the good news is they won. And that's really all that matters. The good news is I thought defensively, they actually played a hell of a game. Uh, They were pretty good on the offensive glass, giving themselves second chance opportunities. They didn't let the Celtics really kill them on the glass and give Boston too many extra extra chances. That was very important. Robert Williams was awesome. I handed it to him. He was great. What's his dopey nickname? The timekeeper or something? The, the guy that stops time? I don't know what it was. All I know is he was fantastic. Kemba Walker sucked. 
Uh, Blake Griffin was a non-factor in this game. I'm not concerned. It's only one playoff game. But I thought he was a, a zero, a complete. It was probably more of a negative than anything. But they freaking won. And this time of year, honestly, that's all that matters. They won. They took game one. They were up 1-0 in this series. And thank God they did because, you know, I said on the Saturday show, and I, and I still stand by this, that they are going to have to face adversity. The odds are they're not going to cruise to an NBA championship. And somebody called up. The guy's probably listening to this podcast right now. I think it was Andrew in Brooklyn. And he said, are they better off facing adversity early on? And the honest answer is, yeah. Now, for me, today was enough adversity. Being down 12 in the first quarter, let's count that as the adversity that they faced. Because the last thing I need to see that my stomach can deal with, that anybody's stomach can deal with, is being down 2-1 of the Boston Celtics. You know what I mean? Or, or facing a game six down 3-2. Or, or even what the Celtics faced in 2008 when a young Atlanta team took them to the limit and took them to a seventh game. None of us can deal with that. So hopefully tonight, Saturday night in Brooklyn, was their adversity. A stagnant offense, an inability to hit three-point shots, and, and that's the adversity that they can grow from. But look, there were a lot of highlight real moments in this game. There were a lot of Kyrie Irving. And, and look, getting to watch Kyrie Irving every day, I'll say this about him. I would say at least once or twice a game, he does something with his ball handling skills that we've never seen before. He really is a walking kind of Harlem Globetrotter-esque superstar. Uh, and he really picked it up in the second half of this game. He was great. And they got the freaking win. And that's really the most important thing. Now, as far as the atmosphere was concerned, let me tell you, I've been to a handful of Met games. I went to Yankees opening day, and I've been to a couple of Nets games uh, since they've started allowing started allowing fans back in the building. Tonight in Barclays Center was the first real sporting event I was at because everything else was nice, and it was great to be back in the building, and it was great to smell the popcorn, but nothing felt real until tonight. And that's mainly because they were able to pack, you know, 93% vaccinated people, 15,000 people or whatever they announced, inside of Barclays Center, and it was legitimately packed. You know, I know there's going to be some that say the Nets fudged the numbers. I was in the building. It was a packed building. Uh, it's odd to see the sections that you know are not fully vaccinated, so they're not packed. So, like, there was one section across from where we were sitting that was, I wouldn't even say it was half empty. I mean, honestly, I don't even know if they were following social distancing rules, but it wasn't packed, and then every other section was jam-packed. But you're watching this game, especially when I look to my right, and you don't see kind of the half empty, and again, I don't even think it was half empty. It was probably like 20% empty, uh, unvaccinated section. When you're looking to your right, you see a packed arena. You see nothing but people. And this is not an image that any of us have seen in over a year and a half. That's the reality. I mean, even when you go to Yankee Stadium or you go to City Field, you're not seeing that yet. And it was loud. Um, I'll be fair. I'll be at Madison Square Garden for their game, and I'll compare notes. And I'm sure Nick fans will only take me saying that the Garden was louder as the correct answer. <laughs> and, I, and by the way, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure the Garden will be rocking. But Barclays was rocking. And... The one thing I had, I guess, some level of concern was 
I keep thinking back to 2013 and 2012. Um, there are actually 2013 and 2014, I should say. Their first two years in Brooklyn. Uh, they made the playoffs. They won 49 games their first year here, the Darren Williams year. And then the following year was when they obviously made the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade. And playoff games felt very tame. They felt very average. Um, and what was really disappointing about that is I'm a New Jersey Nets fan. I remember playoff games in New Jersey. It would get loud, you know, when the Nets were in the playoffs. And so 2013 and 2014, the building had no soul. The building was very antiseptic. It was just very blah. And it was embarrassing. I remember the Toronto Raptors, I think, mocked the Nets crowd uh, from that first round series. In 2019, the place moved. The place had a soul for the first time. Um, the place was loud. And I wasn't sure, okay, well, what's going to happen? You know, fans have been away for so long. They've added these superstars, Kevin Durant, James Hart. I'm finally turning on Flatbush Avenue Extension. I parked in a very different place today. Not that anybody cares, but let me go off on a tangent. And so I actually have to follow my Google Maps because I wasn't exactly sure how to get where. But I just want to report, I am now passing Juniors on Flatbush Avenue. I should be on the highway in about eight minutes. And at some point, you'll press stop, baby. Are you okay with that? Sure. Thank you. And you'll post the podcast? <laughs> well, I don't know how to do that. But... Oh, it's, it's easy. You just it's stop and then you write some kind of description. Like you can write, my husband is a wacko. And here he is talking about the Nets while driving. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, so the place was great in 2019 during that brief, I wouldn't even call it a playoff run, the brief series against Philadelphia. Tonight, it was loud. And it was what was really cool is it was loud 35 minutes before tip-off. Um, it was loud. There was a Brooklyn chant, let's go Nets chant. The Celtics got booed when they came out on the court. There was a great energy to it. So that was nice to see. I think that will only build as this run continues, hopefully deep, into the summer, but the building was loud, the building was packed, and, you know, not even just comparing it to past net seasons, I think it was awesome just to actually be in that kind of environment, because that's an environment we haven't seen in a very long time, and look, there were moments over the last 14 months where you wondered if we were ever going to see it again. I remember it hit me watching, I think it was the 10-run inning the Mets had against the Braves, one of those old games I was watching on YouTube. And what really jumped out at me about that game was how Shea Stadium was moving, how it rocked. And, you know, watching people quickly, like, high-five each other. Now, I didn't do that tonight, all right? I'm not yet in that position to start high-fiving random people and hugging random people. That'll happen, hopefully, by the NBA Finals. But but there were times in which you wondered, are we ever going to be in a packed arena again? And I didn't know when it was going to happen. I mean, I got to tell you, a few months ago, I never thought the Nets in the playoffs would feature a packed arena. I never did. I figured, hey, if we can get to half, that'd be great. Even 30%, hey, there's people in the building. They make enough noise. It'll be awesome. The fact that I just left an arena that, for all intents and purposes, was packed. Like, two sections or three sections that were not for social distancing and unvaccinated people. I don't know. To me, the place was still packed, and I'm sure the Garden will be the exact same way. It wasn't only cool because it's my team and it was nice to be in that environment, but it was encouraging because I wasn't sure we were ever going to get there. Now, 
as far as this team is concerned, we got to see some more freaking ball movement. I mean, their offense was so stagnant at times today. It was almost like, and I think this may have been a, a fear some of us had when they first made the trade. And I'm not relitigating the trade. I'm glad they made it now, obviously, and hopefully it works out. They win a title. This idea of, okay, Kyrie, it's your turn. Dribble, dribble, dribble. Okay, James, it's your turn. Isolation. Okay, KD, it's your turn. And look, KD was the aggressor tonight. He should be. Of those three guys, quite frankly, I mean, I know it's tough to rank them, but he's the guy offensively. He's the most brilliant offensive player when you combine size and skill set and versatility, whether it's a mid-range jump shot, whether it's hitting a three, whether it's driving to the basket, whether it's posting up. And we basically saw all of that tonight. But there were times where it felt like, okay, your turn, KD. Okay, your turn, James Harden. By the way, I am stuck behind people that are, they put the double blinker on. What's the double blinker? The hazards. And they just sit there. But now I've passed them, and I'm about about to get on the BQE. These guys, I don't think people give a crap sometimes when they do that. I think they do it. And they're just like, I'm stopping. Like, putting the double blinker on gives them the power to stop their car wherever the hell they want it. I, I've gotten that impression before. But anyhow, I've gotten past them. I'm getting on the BQE. And quite frankly, I'm done talking because I think my wife wants to fall asleep now. Because it was an ABC game. It started very late. I was yelling in her ear all night. Was I yelling in your ear all night or was I good? Yeah, you're pretty good. I was good? All right. Good. All right. So I did a good job. So I'm done. Thank you for listening to this very special drive-home edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.